This is Reverend Chuck Blair. Welcome to our weekly podcast on New Church Live. So great to have you folks here today. We got a beautiful service ahead for you as as we look at this idea of how relationships can work. And it's interesting because relationships are really significant. I mean, they're a significant amount of our headspace. When when people come to a pastor with challenges, some of the time it's individual, but a lot of the time it's relational. And Christianity is a relational faith. It's not a private salvation game. Like if, if Christianity's held just, it's just about me, myself, and I, you're kind of missing the bigger picture. And it certainly has a lot that it can share with us and, and help us in terms of relationship. That idea that, that this is significant goes way back to the very, very beginning of the Bible, the first book called Genesis. And it, these beautiful words, this is why a man leaves his father and, you, and mother and is united to his wife and they become one flesh. Now those words today, like we can hear those and they just sort of pass through us. But, but at this time, those were, that was really revolutionary stuff. It was revolutionary because the family unit was so significant. I mean, the family unit was your economic unit. The family unit was your social security check. (laughs) Your family unit was everything. And here's God saying, you know what? It's everything. It's family units, not bad. And I need you to have relationships. I need you to work at that as best you can out there into the world. That is so important, and, and, and so it, it's been interesting over the years doing, doing weddings and doing lots of them, how, how weddings can kind of speak to people about a promise. And again, it doesn't matter whether you're single, divorced, or married. I think we can all get a sense of what that promise is, and we can allow words of other people at weddings to move us. Words, for example, that this father shared as he's giving away his daughter at her wedding. Take a look. tell you a story. And like all good stories, it starts like this. Once upon a time, there was a father. And in case you can't figure that out, that's me. This father had a wonderful little boy. He was very happy. But then one day he found out that his wife was going to have a little baby. So I pray, Lord, if it's your will, I was the first person to hold her in my arms. I looked at her and I said, Lord, make her like her mother. And he did. She was loving and giving and so good and so kind. But then I realized I was getting left out. So I said, Lord, make her like me. And he did. She can drive a truck and a tractor. She can load hay and strip tobacco. Do you realize what you're getting? <laughs> but at the same time, she was opinionated, emotional, and hard-headed. So I said, Lord, that's enough of that. Make her like you. And he did. Gave her a desire to serve people. She loves people. She gave her life to be a nurse. She's brought people back from the dead. 
And she's held the hand of people and breathed their last breath. He gave her a heart for missions and she's trekked all over the world. Pushed canoes up swollen rivers and laid on the floor while bullets whizzed outside so she could tell people about Jesus. But still something was missing. So I said, Lord, make her happy. And she made me. You see that look on her face? I never saw that until she met me. I'm Today I'm giving you the best thing I have to give. And I just wanted you to know before I do that how hard me and God's work to get her ready for. <laughs> That's beautiful, right? You know, and we can, we can go to wedding, we just sense the promise there. Like, regardless of what the challenges we've had in our own intimate relationships, you can just sense and you can see it in that video what the promise is. And that kind of stirs in our heart like we know that. In this denomination, what we do is we use this funky word called conjugal. We talk about conjugal love, which nobody can really pronounce. And it's very close to the concept of anamkara, the Celtic word for soul friendship. That that's what marriage is really all about. And that this marriage that God seeks to give us, seeks to stir in our heart, that it actually can, if it's something that we desire with our heart, that can actually last to eternity, that can actually grow and flower. And if we don't find it here, we find it in heaven. Here's some beautiful words from New Church Theology about that. The qualities of true love are innocence, peace, tranquility. Inmost friendship. Full confidence and a mutual desire to help each other. What comes out of this love is blessedness, happiness, delight, pleasure, and heavenly joy. It is the nature of this love to share with another person, to give joy to another person, and to seek one's own joy through that endeavor. Beautiful lines there about, about what this can really start to look like. That, that idea that, that there can be this, this, this part of our lives that can grow. And, and, and again, not all relationships in the world work terribly smoothly, but that doesn't change that the promise is present. It doesn't change that the promise is still there in all its beauty. Now, of course, if you have the promise, you have this thing that gets in the way known as life. As my one friend said, two egos can't survive one marriage. Or another way to think of it is two architects are going to have a hard time building one house. And that's where the work is. And it's, it's not, a, I think for a lot of people, they can look at the work piece and they can say, okay, here's the promise. But the work, like the work's not part of the story. It can't be this hard. Yes, it can. Yes, it is. <laughs> that hard. Can I get an amen from all the married people in here? <laughs> you know, it is that hard. It is the work. And sometimes we get through the work and the marriage works. Sometimes it doesn't. But it doesn't mean that the work was wrong. It's just the work. And it's how we get stronger and it's how we allow this promise to come to fruition. And it's where we start to battle our ego. 
And this is the challenge of our ego, I think. This is just two beautiful phrases. I'm going to have you say the S and the D there. The challenge is, is that our ego, first off, seeks disaster. seeks disaster. How many of us catastrophize all the time? <laughs> you know, seeks disaster. Like our ego loves disaster. It loves to talk about it. It loves to talk about the end of the world as, as we know it is coming and this, that, and, and you know. Dean Smith said it really well, this, this former coach for North Carolina. He said, you know, if you regard life as a lot of life and death decisions, you're going to be dead a lot. I think that is really true. So we seek disaster. And then at the same time, please say the next word. We also crave reassurance. So on one hand, I'm going to hop over into this carpet over here. On this one hand, I'm, I'm always worried and fretting and, and craving, 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 craving to get reassured because I'm so sure sitting in this place that the world is a disaster. But it's a bit of a doom loop. I can be so sure there's a disaster and no matter how much I get reassured, reassured does it work, yes or no? No, it really doesn't. It really doesn't. And it's hard. It's very hard to be in relationship if you're catastrophizing and clingy. <laughs> it's just hard to do. Now, it doesn't mean that we can't offer appropriate reassurances. Of course we can. It doesn't mean that there aren't legitimate challenges in life that, that really deserve our attention and maybe even a degree of concern. Of course there are. But if we find ourselves, listen carefully here, please listen carefully. If we find ourselves needing it, that's the problem. If we find ourselves needing a catastrophe, if we find ourselves, which, which I think we can get into, and you may have to think about that a little bit, but I, I believe that, or needing reassurance, the need's the problem. Not getting reassured, not challenges in the world, but the neediness around those, and that's our ego. Fortunately, we can put that aside and we can come to a very, very different place, a far more spacious place, one that's able to do with the unpredictability of life. Now, yes or no answer here, and you better all say it loud. Yes or no, is life unpredictable? Yes, yes absolutely. I want to show you a video now. It shows some of the unpredictability. This is a husband all impressed. He took his new drone down to the shore. He's videoing his wonderful wife as she's out there on a raft. A great little lesson in unpredictability. Take a look. for what? You know? Oh my goodness. Totally unpredictable. And that's what happens. So we have a choice then. All right. So, so we, we know like, like here's the promise and here's the work. And even the work isn't going to be terribly predictable. I can only imagine when, yeah. What would the conversation have been in the car when the wife found like, found out he put that on YouTube? Uh, you know, and you're going to have the work, you're going to have the unpredictability of life, but we have to keep on working through that. So how can we do it? Just what are some simple steps that we can take? And what I'm going to ask you to look at are these two. Now, the band's going to be coming out as I explain these, and I just want you kind of thinking about how this works as you listen, as you get ready for our next song. Step one, celebrate. Step two, do the work. So we learn to celebrate, we learn to do the work. 
And the celebration's real important, as is doing the work. I love this line by Maya Angelou. Saving heaven for a far-off day shows a lack of gratitude. I mean, that's been one of my favorite quotes for, for decades now. So celebration is a way that we can pull gratitude in. And as the band comes out, we also have to learn to do the work. There's work involved too. That love both like has, has this beautiful peace that settles us. That's maybe part of the promise. And it has this part that calls us to work. And we're going to look when we come back about what that work is and what the celebration is and how the two come together in very, very blessed ways. So again, looking at the, at the promise and what that is and how do we learn to celebrate and do the work. The celebration part's really significant. And the celebrate part comes down to this new church piece. Experiencing, relishing in their, I'm going to have you say the J word there, experiencing, relishing in their joy as if it was your own. That's loving. Beautiful definition that we hold in new church circles about what loving really is. So what that means is that I can look at things and, and I don't have to love that. I don't have to love that thing, but I can love that my partner does. An example for you from yesterday. Uh, you know, we're in Ocean City. Is the Ocean City Boardwalk great or what? So we're, we're like walking on the Ocean City Boardwalk and there's a new pizza place and it says organic gluten-free pizza. And I'm thinking, I will never eat there. <laughs> but my wife will. So I snap a picture and I say, honey, look at this. And she, in all caps with about 15 exclamation points, goes, yes. My job isn't to love that pizza because I never will. It tastes like dog treats, you know? (laughs) I don't have to love it, but man, I can love that she loves it. That's what loving is. That's what the work is. And that's where we can celebrate. Now, I'm so fortunate to work with many beautiful couples like Bob and Meg over the years, and, and we do an exercise called trading places where they get a chance to do this. In other words, what, what happens is couples trade places. They get to run each other's lives for a set period of time, an evening, a day. The only thing they can't do is say, what do you want to do now, honey? And they have to run their life in a way that brings joy to their partner. And some of these have been very funny. One of the humorous ones from just a few months ago was a, was a groom who knew his wife loved yoga and that she loved uh, this fancy health food restaurant. So he found a yoga studio right beside the fancy restaurant. He scheduled the yoga for five. Then he scheduled dinner for 6.30. They go there and they're nice little yoga things. He had forgotten to really pay attention to that it was hot yoga. Yeah, you'll get this. You have to ask somebody about that. After. So how, how, what, what a fun even disaster, but, but a fun disaster there where they're just learning to try to give joy to their partner and to watch their partner's joy and enjoy that coming back. I wanted a chance for you folks to hear what this is like. It's different for a lot of people. For some of you, it's Jamaican food. For some of you, maybe any number of things. It can maybe give you an idea to do in a relationship and to just have fun with it. So because, again, like it's such a beautiful day, and I do like to get folks moving, Bob and Meg are here. They're a little nervous. They're wonderful. Could we start out by giving them a standing ovation to welcome them on stage here as they're going to share with us? Thank <laughs> you.
you go. Showtime. <laughs> Thank you all for uh, having us here. Uh, my name is Bob Asklar. This is my wife, Megan. Um, so Chuck actually married us last October, so it's almost roughly a year now. Um, and I just want to say thanks to him again. I mean, he was absolutely amazing, captivating the audience, remembered all these things that we had talked about previously before we got married, and I just want to thank him for giving us a wonderful wedding day. So shortly after we got married, uh, we continued to keep in touch with Chuck, and he gave us this assignment, and I thought, oh, here we go. So he gave us this assignment called Trading Places. Um, so of course, the first thing I did was add that to my to-do list and instantly cross that off. Um, and we had to each do our own date for one another. So the date that I chose to do was uh, basically a whole date night. So the first thing uh, we did was we actually went to a restaurant called Raystree Cafe. Uh, we actually used to live in Old City, um, so I was very close to where we used to live. Um, and it was actually the place where, after I proposed to my lovely wife, uh, I had my whole family on my side and everyone on her side also be there uh, to just join in the celebration of everything um, on the day that I proposed. So we had a nice, lovely dinner, uh, and then afterwards we went down to Penn's Landing, uh, which during the Christmas time they do uh, this whole event down there. There's you could, uh, you know, get hot chocolate, you can go ice skating, you can get something to eat. Um, so one thing that I am not good at is ice skating. Uh, so I decided to uh, take Meg there because she loves to do that. Um, but I will say, by the end of the evening, I was basically doing backflips like Scott Hamilton. And I was a professional ice skater by the end of the night. As the photos can clearly see there, as I am doing a wonderful performance... Had tons of fans, but I was signing autographs. It was wonderful. Um, but it was a nice night, and ultimately, uh, you know, it was something that she really liked to do, and I was happy to see her happy. So now she'll tell you about her date. <laughs> so unlike Bob, who had his date literally planned and crossed off the list the next weekend after we got the assignment, it took me pretty much a year and a half to complete my assignment. <laughs> Um, and we actually just did it a couple weeks ago. Um, one of Bob's favorite bands is the Beatles. And so happened that Longwood Gardens was doing a light show to all Beatles music. So I was a little selfish, and I love flowers. So I incorporated kind of both of our likes into one date, but mostly Bob. And we went to Longwood Gardens, um, went to the beer garden, had some beverages, had something to eat, and then sat and watched the light show to um, all the Beatles music. And it was a really great time. He thoroughly enjoyed it, um, sat there and listed all the songs he wished they would have played. And so, <laughs> um, but we had a great night, and it's, it was just a great time to reconnect and to really put time aside for ourselves when a lot of times we're so busy with the hustle and bustle of our everyday lives. Um, so, yeah, that was it. And Bob's really good at planning dates. We just had another one last night. So, <laughs> thank you. That's good enough. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Good yeah, job. Good job. Good job. Good job. Good job. Good job. Good job. Thank you, guys. Give him another round of applause, folks. Now, you know, I, I love those kind of exercises because I think they really do help us to celebrate 
And, and they come from a good spiritual place. And I realized like, if you're me and I've just had an argument with my loved one, I'm thinking like, I'm not like that couple. We're just not getting along. That's probably even a better reason to do it, right? Probably even a better reason if you are planning things strained in your relationship, probably even more reason to do something like this and get back to just having some fun, some simple fun together, a way to enjoy each other's company. Now, it's interesting, you know, when we celebrate, we also have to remember to do the work. So what I do with couples is, is when I do their wedding, I'll pass out to them a, a page, it's like 11 pages of different wedding quotes, just for ideas that they can pick from. They very often pick that one that I use. I mean, the two most picked ones, the one I showed you before, that's one of the two most picked ones. And the other one is one that many, 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 many of you have heard many, many times. And that's 1 Corinthians 13. So I'm going to read it and then put it into the context of what it means to do the work. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I have nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes, what in part disappears? When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now, we see only reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. This is a beautiful line. I mean, have all of us heard that, you know, at some point in time? You have? What's interesting with it is that it's, it, it, it sort of is so, used so commonly, we miss the genius of it. We miss the beauty of it. And we miss how it can spell out the work that we can do in our relationship. Like, if you want something to do, like, check, yeah, I'm here and we really want to get a better relationship. Again, that could be a boyfriend, a girlfriend, family member, whoever, or a spouse. How do we do the work? Well, an easy way to do it is just to take 1 Corinthians 13 and do this to it. Just break, I would take a picture of that, by the way, folks, if you have your camera with you. You just break it down. And then you think, well, how patient am I? Hmm. How patient am I? Am I never patient, rarely patient, sometimes, often, or always? Do we have anybody here who's never patient? We probably have a couple of you in there. <laughs> you know, like, like there might be your work. I don't know. We'll say you were driving here and all of a sudden the bridge is closed because of a tugboat. So you're afraid you're not going to make it in time to church. Can I get an amen from Trevor and Kate? Uh, you know, and all of a sudden like it starts stirring stuff up. Well, well like there's your work. There's your work. It's a great little exercise to do just to take a look at and to see what is the work, what's your part in it, and how you can start to move it forward. Because what can happen, folks, is we can choose. Please listen carefully. We can choose to celebrate. We can choose to do the work. 
See, the miracle of that list is this to me. It doesn't have anything to do with your partner. I know for me, when my marriage is strained and it's had some very strained times, what goes on in my head is all the work my wife needs to do. Could I get an amen on that one? <laughs> I got a whole list for her. I hope she's not watching. You know, that's what it is. It's like, well, yeah, if I just blah, blah, you know, and the work's out there. But that's not what this says. It's not saying, is your wife patient? Is your husband kind? It's not asking you that. It's saying, look, if you're going to be loving, you have to look at these things in yourself. And, and to keep us from just getting sort of into a doom loop about it, because we don't always look all that. You go through that properly, you're not going to look all that pretty. You're going to look very human. We can celebrate at the same time. Like, it's a mess, but it's a beautiful mess. It's a beautiful mess. We really can hold both. And I do believe this. If we've learned to celebrate and we've learned to do the work, that something can happen to our relationships as they move on. So what we're going to do is we're going to close today's service here with a video. And then after the video, I'm going to offer a few words, and then we're going to have a baptism. Again, a way to celebrate and celebrate the work. So take a look at this video. Take a look at it as, it, as a model of a couple who's done a lot of the work and still continues to find amazing ways to celebrate, even in very broken circumstances. Take a look. I don't count it a burden, whatever, to have to care for her. I, I need to do everything. From the moment she gets up to the moment she goes to bed, I do absolutely everything. Um, clean her teeth, uh, shower, dress, everything. And, um, but it's, it's a privilege. I count it a great privilege to, to care for this one that I've loved all of these years and continue to love. This is the year when we'll celebrate our 50th wedding anniversary. Our stories have been a, a lovely story. I first saw her when she was eight years old and her brother became my best friend. And we grew up together and as we grew up, yeah, she was there. And I knew that she used to stare at me when I was playing footy with, my, with her brother and uh, another friend and when we used to ride bikes and she kept staring at me, but I wasn't interested. I was 17, she was 16. I saw her dolled up, dressed up, and she had an A-line dress on, and boom, it was gone. I was, uh, she was the one for me then, absolutely. <laughs> when we first started uh, dating, I used to ride my bike from where I lived to where she was, and that was about five kilometres on a Saturday afternoon because it was the only chance we had to get together. And uh, it was hair wash day for her, and she used a special cream in her hair for a shampoo. And I can still smell it because that smell was so particular, so nice. It was just absolutely special. We had a bike. I used to ride everywhere on my bike and then Glad had a bike as well. And we put a, a baby chair on the front of her bike. And so we carried our babies around on the bike with her as well. So, yeah, bike's been part of our lives. And I guess that has something to do with us now. Around about 2004 5, I began to notice um, that there were things going wrong. She was finally diagnosed with uh, the horrible disease of Alzheimer's. 
Having lived overseas, I knew that with a bike you can do lots of things. So I had a bike made, a bike chair made. We take it to the beach and ride along beside the beach. And as we do that, we see lots of people. A lot of people come talk to us because it's a unique thing. Nobody else has got a bike chair quite like that one. I am determined to care for her every need, every need. You see, God has loved us so unconditionally. And I understand that God has put his love in my heart. And because I realize how much God has loved me, that's how I too can love my lovely wife. She has done so much for me over all of these years. Now she can't, but I can, and I can return her love. And it's a love that, uh, well, to me, means I can do everything for her. She's my princess. I'm her William, and I wouldn't have it any other way. Would you have it any other way? No, no, not at all. We love each other. So many, so many pieces of that video, I, I think, that are beautiful. And can you sense the unconditional love in that? You know, it's a love that's, that's moved beyond conditions. And yeah, hard circumstances, and not everybody can do what he did and take care of somebody who's struggling with Alzheimer's. That's not what it's about. But you can see that love, right? It's like palpable. And, and even you see them doing the work, right? It's, it's like it's work. And some of you got it. I was worried, like, oh, well, people notice. What? How is he celebrating it? Just shout it out. There was a little celebration piece in there. Did you see the tiara, <laughs> you know, on her helmet? Like, that's a little celebration. She's my princess. I'm her William. Doesn't William even sound like the king right there? You know, like, that's, that's what it is. That's, that's the work. That's the giving. That's the piece of, like, knowing that, that he can't, receive uh, certain things from her in the way that he could have at one time, but he can always give. He can always seek to give her joy and, and to enjoy the way she is in her life. One of the hardest things, I think, to get, in, in some relationships, they just don't work. And I, I believe that as a pastor. I think some just don't work. Some do. And some have an easier time than others. One of the things we need to, I think, continually come back to, though, is, is what's our choice? Like, what's our choice? I want a marriage like that, you know? I think a lot of us do. And maybe we get it in this world, maybe we get it in heaven. But keep coming back to our choices, the small choices, to celebrate and do the work that will make a marriage the triumph of your life. So Lord, be with us today. Let me know that what we need, we need love. A love, Lord, that gives and then receives. A love, Lord, that cares. A love that is reflection of your eternal smile and your eternal joy out there into this world. And thank you, Lord. Thank you for being here among this audience. Thank you, Lord, for being here in Bob and Meg's words, for Trevor and Kate's words, and for this beautiful baptism. Be with us, Lord. Allow us to work on our relationships. And Lord, allow us to sing, not just sing with our voices, but to sing with our whole bodies. 
a name descending and a rising up. As we close with Stand By Me, let those words echo in our hearts. In your name we pray. Thank you for listening. You can support this podcast at www.newchurchlive.tv.